Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We're back to another episode of the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Patrick. And I'm Antonia. And we're back up in this thing one month later. We are smack dab in the middle, or in the beginning, actually, of October. Dreaded October. Um, And October is not disappointing so far. Wait, you know that meme? God, what is this boy's name? Where they, like, ask him, how's it so far? And he's like, I don't know. It's, like, only the third day out here. <laughs> it's October 3rd. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't get it. I'll have to send it to you. It's fine. <laughs> Thanks. Um, let's get into some good news. Do you have some good news for us this week? I do. I finally figured out my crazy schedule. Um, so today Your school I'm- schedule? Yeah. Okay. So I had a really successful day today because today was the first day I tried it out. Um, I'm going to New York and I'm going to D.C. Three things, three good things. And I'm going to Austin for Texas Book Festival. What's in New York? A concert. You traveling this year, girl. I'm trying a little bit, a little bit. I'm proud of you. Yes, you're doing more than I am, but you know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this is my first weekend um, in Michigan. You know, I went to Louisiana, then I went to Miami, and then I went to see you in Houston. So, yes. yeah, that was a lot of fun. Houston was a lot of fun. You'll be back. For different reasons. (laughs) Okay. Why would you say that? I don't know. We'll be back. It'll be fun, though. Was that shade? I don't know if you accepted a shade. I accepted a shade fully. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I want to give a shout out to Glorious for those amazing margaritas, though. Um, is that where that's the name of it? Yes. I don't know if they're anywhere else. I think they might be in Dallas. But yes, you only need like two of those things and And that's all I need. Well it's two. Yeah. I mean anytime Anthony and I get together, it's a great time. Um, good news for me this week. I don't know if I told you this, but I am officially back in therapy. You did. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. I Really needed to go. Um, You know, I have not seen an actual therapist since I graduated college in 2015. And a lot of life has happened (laughs) since I walked across the stage at Michigan State to move into D.C., to going to Qatar, to coming back to Detroit. A lot of life has happened. And I have desperately needed to be in someone's chair. (laughs) Um, And I was a little bit nervous going into the meeting. Um, it was just yesterday, actually. Um, I met with a woman. She gives me, like, 
obviously professional, but she also gives me like auntie, which lets me know that like, you know, her and I vibe. She's a black woman with long blonde locks. So I just, you know, we vibed uh, and we had a great first session. Um, I also realized during that meeting that I need to go see a doctor now. Um, probably because I am, yeah, well, you know how they have you fill out those depression surveys and like you talk about just like sort of like why you're in therapy and like why you're there now. And like, I'm just kind of coming to terms that I'm not diagnosed yet, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going through probably, uh, like moderate depression at this moment, um, which has really brought to life like a lot of things. Um, and this is still good news because it's better to know than to not know. And it's better to like, you know, seek help and be um, in therapy and sort of working on that, especially as a teacher, like it's critical. So that was sort of the best news for me uh, this week. Also, um, I have also received just some incredible pep talks from some incredible people from my village. Um, one of them is one of my former principals. Shout out to Desmond, who's writing a book um, at this moment. And, you know, I called him literally on my lunch break and was like, <laughs> listen. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. This is it. I don't know, man. Um, and so we were able to just kind of talk about everything. Um, and I think making things actionable for me. Because I'm so big picture that when things don't work out, I don't always know how to seek out which details to figure out and to sort of, you know, pounce on. Um, And so he sort of helped me out during my lunch break. And, you know, he's somebody who knows me, who knows my philosophy um, and truly understands the liberation of of our people and sort of how that is integrated into schools. And so I'm like, yes. And then I also had an amazing um, conversation today with uh, a family member of mine who's also a journalist um, and just talking about the business and um, Good Trouble Media. You know, a lot of people know that I really took the month off after the Edge of 2020 episode because... I was depressed as fuck. So uh, that on top of like panic attacks and all that stuff, like I've literally just been going through it, but I really feel like I'm on the up and up now. I'm excited to be back in the studio today with you, Antonia. Um, and, you know, we're back up in this thing doing Common Sense Podcast because the people love it. And yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad that things are beginning to look better for you or look up for you or brighten. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for listening. And thank y'all for listening. <laughs> <laughs> that sound is so corny. No, but I'm serious. <clears throat> <laughs> so, you know why we're here? We're here for no. a very specific purpose. And that is because I have received a lot of DMs and conversations on if traditional schooling is the move. Is it the move for our students? Is it the move for teachers? Someone told me 
<laughs> the other day. If we should abolish prisons, was this you? Maybe. I think it was. If we should abolish prisons, shouldn't we just abolish schools? Not at one me. Oh, that, oh, that wasn't. No, Someone I mean, did. I was with you with abolish prisons. And then I don't, I can kind of see the correlation, but not at one me. <laughs> Someone said, shouldn't we, if we're going to abolish prisons and blow that whole system up, shouldn't we do the school system in the same way? I said we're asking too much with both of those, but idealistic thinking, right? Idealistic thinking. I've just been wondering what... (laughs) I've just been struggling with this idea of being back in a traditional, you know, school system and not knowing what I truly want that is, like, radically different. You've had lots of different experiences in that is true (laughs) probably more than the average yeah whereas i've just been in very different public schools like every public school i've taught in has been almost a polar opposite of the last one i came from Mm. so i i was really interested in in what your year was going to be like because your experiences has just been so drastically different and you are not, um, disappointing me is not the right word, but I think your not realizations, but the conclusions you are coming to are not surprising to me because of your past experiences. Yeah. I think, you know, I came into a Doug Lamar charter, went to what you would consider to be a traditional public um going to a very unique very unique private school heading over to a unique international private school and now coming back to what you consider to be a traditional charter school and i think that i'm constantly comparing those experiences um and wondering like where did children have the most, you know, joy? What are the similarities? What are the differences? And, you know, really just coming to the conclusion that I don't think that as a whole, we have this education, this school thing figured out, you know, systematically. Um, I think there are so many gaps that take place. I think there are so many times where professionals come to work and do the opposite or go against the grain of what they truly believe about education and schooling and children. And that's not what I'm saying about this year. That's what I'm saying about every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the kind of like what's most frustrating for me because it's just like, you know, where do we get to a place where we're coming to work every single day and we are like so on board with the way in which we are educating children. We are so on board with the day to day that we truly can make, you know, school a joyous experience. You know what I'm saying? Like when I when we say things, you know, like being in a traditional this, a traditional that, 
if we're not happy in that traditional space, and obviously we're saying that we want something non-traditional. And so what does it mean to be non-traditional? It's a really good question. Don't know. I think a lot of my experiences can be considered traditional, like public school, whatever, but I've also spent time in a Montessori, which we've talked about, but for many people, that is a traditional schooling experience. And I know there are lots of people like working to disrupt Montessori environments and bring in more um, anti-racist work and materials into the classrooms. But I don't know. I feel like I'm just really picky and really choosy about where I do end up. It's like, though I have concerns and questions and there are times I'm doing things I don't completely agree with, like, I may be able to muster up another year in quote-unquote traditional ed, right? Because I'm not in like a Douglamov charter, which at that point I'd probably be looking for another job <laughs> because you can't report me to the state and I'm going to be out because I can't <laughs> do this. I literally, I have a friend um, that taught or teaches one of them in one of those schools and I was texting her and she was like yeah this ain't it and I was like well you know nothing happens if they report you to the state because they hire people who aren't certified all the time so if you find something else go for it sis I am never going to be the friend the teacher friend as much as I love teaching encouraging someone to stay because there are way too many schools out there way too many open positions Um, And way too many options for you to spend eight hours a day unhappy and looking for something else. So, yeah. I mean, in addition to the teaching experience being like really taxing, and I think, I, I wonder, and it comes back to this yet again, if non traditional and autonomy have a big correlation and I don't mean like autonomy for like students well sorry I do mean that I don't mean like just autonomy for teachers in terms of like lessons but but I mean like autonomy for everyone in, in the building in terms of like shaping what your like education experience looks like like I've often been thinking about that um and like how to like recreate that space in a society that wants to standardize everything Right. It's like we want children to have the same experience. I just saw that uh, Detroit Public Schools has adopted the expeditionary learning, the EL Engage New York curriculum for English language arts K through eight. And that really saddened me because (laughs) I was just like, why? Like what on earth? Like what on earth do we think about children that? We can honestly sit here and believe that a child that a child who grew up on the east side of Detroit their whole life, you know, pro- should engage in the same literature um, as someone who did not, um, or someone who just moved here, or someone who's a part of the gentrification process, right? Like. <sighs> I guess I'm sort of ranting and and I'm not sure if it makes sense. I guess I want for black kids to be in charge and have ownership over the things that they learn about every single day. 
And I'm not sure if traditional education will ever be the place where they have the freedom to create the space that they want. I don't know if that's the case. And so when I go into a space and I and I see black kids bored out of their mind and they're acting up and they're, you know, talking and having side conversations, like I'm like, I don't blame y'all, you know, like because yes, you have like choice, you know, you get to choose this or choose that. But I mean like having full autonomy over your learning ex- experience, I have not seen. And so when I think of a non-traditional space, that that's what I truly honestly believe in. Have you ever been to a Montessori? Um, I don't think I have, honestly. No, actually, I have, yes. But it was an undergrad, and we were doing like this lesson study. So I don't think it was really authentic. I, I really... Like a true, you know, thing. I wonder what you would think of that. Um, But I agree with you that their black children are never going to have like autonomy over their own learning um, based on like what the public current school system is because people at the top are not black and or considering the needs of black children. So there's always going to be that disconnect, which is where I can agree with the need for something that is not traditional schooling, but also so often when people break away from the traditional public school system and black communities or black families are doing that in larger numbers. Um, It's not sustainable for us, which is really unfortunate because, you know, if you're going to homeschool, one parent needs to be able to be at home, but with one parent at home, like what money are you losing that you were previously bringing into the house? Um, Like where are the children? If you are not the one homeschooling, like where are you sending them? Like what money is being used to send them there? Oftentimes there are issues with the school um, where they won't let you withdraw your child and they keep marking them absent. Like I've seen parents get taken to court over deciding to homeschool their children. So there are lots of barriers in place to black families deciding the best educational route for their child, which is really, really, really unfortunate. Um, And as of right now, even though like I am a public school teacher, if I were to have a child, I would not place my child in probably the traditional public school setting because I like I I don't trust the odds of who my child would end up with. Mm-hmm. Not saying like anything about where I am currently teaching or where I have been, but with knowing the percentage of teachers who are not black, um, and seeing things and hearing things from teachers who are not black over my this is my fourth year over the last three years it just it worries me and when children are young they don't know how to verbalize what their teacher has said or done during the day and I mean obviously you pick up on it through cues or like behavior changes but the odds are not in favor of black children in public school systems and so I would not feel comfortable placing my child in one Um, And I have already started like putting things or like semi planning to not have to do that for my future children if I have any. Because it's a mess. It's it's a hot mess. I I was just looking at some homeschooling numbers and um, it said that in 2016, black children accounted for 8% of this 1.7 million homeschooled children nationally. Um, is it's about uh, one hundred thirty six thousand families, 
Um, and I thought that that was, you know, quite interesting. But one of the things that also stands out is that uh, someone who, a black mother who was interviewed in the article, who was interviewed in the article says that the number one thing <laughs> is to throw all of those standards that white America would tell you your child should know. And I'm like, you know, like, again, when I think of non-traditional schooling and I think of like, you know, black people having autonomy over education, I I don't think that black kids will ever be successful in the public education system as so long that white people are dictating what they have control or what they should and should not be learning, how their learning should and should not be measured, who who they should and should not be put up against um, as it pertains to data, right? Like how how they should be learning, you, you know, what those teaching standards look like. I think as so long as we are answering to white people, or anyone who is swimming in a pool of white supremacy, um, just doing open laps. I think it, it, you know we won't be able to do what education was initially designed to do for Black people. You know what's funny? Um, there is a book called, and a few people may laugh like when they hear this because I've been trying to read this book for almost four years now. And I never get past like the third chapter, but it's a great, great book and I plan to finish it, but it's called Education of Blacks in the South. And we would not have public education in America if it hadn't been for freedmen um, during the Reconstruction period that created public schools. Mm. So like the irony of the public school system not serving black children adequately when it was black people that started this. A lot of people say there are millions of black kids that are in the public education system now. Shouldn't we be there as black teachers to support them and guide them through the system as best we can? But like at a certain point, you have to like you have to stop, not not stop serving children. I mean, like you have to decide to say, no, I'm not doing this because like, yes, there are standards and and ridiculous things, but these are children, right? Like these are people you are having an impact on. Like these are the people who are going to be voting for things in the future. If we have a future, you know, global warming, whatever, not whatever. It's a real thing, but very real concern. But these are like, we are all impacting the children who are going to determine what the future looks like for us. And so I, I don't know, like when asked to do things I don't agree with, a lot of times it's one of those like, and I know you don't like this, but it's the shut your door and do what you think is right thing for me. But at like what cost to the black educators who are tired and fed up of the ridiculous asks? I mean, it's always like at what cost, you know, like, I mean, yes, I would love to be in this system and guide these students through, um, especially because when you think about choice, right, like, not every family has the same choices. Some people have to send or feel as though that, that that they have to send their child to the local neighborhood school or whatever school they feel is most appropriate that may not be the, you know, what we believe is the best thing for them. I mean, I could decide, you know, and I am deciding at this moment to stay in 
you know, public education in traditional schools because I know what the hell goes down, you know, and how that impacts black kids and what it will mean for them to have a black male educator throughout their experience, right? But at what cost Mm -hmm. is me staying in this system despite, you know, the benefits, you know, at like, what is this doing to myself, right? And my own health, my philosophy, my stamina in this, like, in this work, you know? Um, and so that's why I, like, when I, earlier, I asked, you know, I said, you know, if we're going to blow up schools or we're going to blow up prisons, we should blow up schools. Um, because <laughs> that's the thing. It's just, like, I don't really know how to, like, necessarily do that from within the system, you know? And I know that there's a a way somehow, but I know that um, for me, I've always been passionate that teachers can make a systematic change um, in education from inside the classroom with the right mindset, the right tools, the right strategy. Um, And I still believe that honestly, but I could tell you also like I am fatigued AF as fuck you're you've reminded me uh we talked about like a few weeks ago when I was saying that I had a friend who's probably about to leave teaching and maybe try again later and like how maybe this profession is I don't want to say it's not useful for young educators but maybe like once we have a few more like years living under our belt, we wouldn't be as jaded to everything and we would view things differently because I always see people who come in as um, career changers, like they worked in business or in corporate. They come in and they teach and they're obviously older because they had this whole established career before. And it just seems like they thrive with children, the ones I've seen and interacted with. Um, and I'm always curious about why that is. And I don't know, like, should I attribute it to their age? Like you just have a lot more wisdom and you handle things differently or like maybe your experience in this other field helped. And like, like I said, I have no idea, but I've been thinking about that the last few weeks because like you also said, how do you go from teachers like teaching 30 plus years, retiring, being retired and coming back and subbing to teachers barely making it to year five? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what, what happened? Um, and why is that? And I'm hopeful that I will make it to year five and maybe past year five, but like, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a break and coming back later. Like the classrooms will be there. The children will always be there. And if for, like to protect your sanity and your joy and working with children and your joy for, for all things education, like if taking a break is what you have to do, then like, my opinion now is, okay, go do it. I'm sure maybe two years ago, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I would never leave. Like You better never. I? Don't you go. How could you? How could you? The kids, they need you. They need you. But that's not realistic. You need yourself. Like your family needs you. Nothing I do in the classroom is more important than myself and my family. Like, I'm sorry. And it may seem selfish saying that, but like, it's not. 
to my to, to me I I stand by that and that is a firm belief and like no one no one is going to look out for you like you can look out for yourself and I'm like the job will be there and if something were to happen to you because you just couldn't let go and you couldn't walk away trust and believe your vacancy would be up the same day so if taking time away is what you need to do then you take that time away and honestly, y'all who are listening, this is not <laughs> supposed to be like a morbid talk. But I think like, you know, as fourth and fifth year teachers who are aware of the system that we live in, right? Like who are, I mean, I'm speaking for more Antonia than me, but pretty well read. Uh, <laughs> um I, I'm dead at the fact that you took that as like the biggest compliment, but yeah, um, pretty well read and, you know, have an understanding of like what the hell is going on. People who do our work, in you know, daily, it is taxing walking into a system and doing the opposite um, and not and and doing that for years. Right. Like. Knowing that this system exists and not working to dismantle it with the students that we serve so it's tough um this is by no means me saying i'm quitting (laughs) you know that's what they were about about yeah no i'm not quitting at all but i will say that five years in i am very aware um of what's going on and five years in, I'm very tired. And maybe it is because it's the fifth year and, and it's this whole magical fifth year thing that is, you know, a cloud over my head kind of thing. But I don't feel as optimistic as I once did. I don't even know where I was going with that, but I'm still saying I'm in the fight with y'all every day. I'm just a little sluggish in these first five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> on top of depression i'm just a little bit sluggish this year y'all so i need y'all to kick me in my ass so i can can like get this fight back you know um because while we're here we still have to do the the good work and fight the good fight you know of dismantling mm-hmm. this system we cannot be in the system and be complacent because that's what white supremacy wants. You know, they they it wants us to take a breather. It it wants us no, actually wait. It wants us to get tired, you know, and it wants us to give up and throw in the towel. And um, that's just not what we're gonna do. Um, so I'm in therapy now. I'm breathing. I'm thinking and reflecting. And every day I really do go in and try my best. Um, and, um, you, you know, we're, can you believe we're only in our 20s? Child, I, I have a hard... Sorry, that's random. But I had to say that. A hard time comparing myself to, like, people who are much further... My alone. God. And I have to remind myself, I posted something on Instagram about it like two, three days ago where it's like, I'm only 26, but also like, I'm so old. I mean, I feel like I'm talking on this podcast like I've been teaching for 40 years. 
Talking about some, I'm tired. Is it? <laughs> I sound like I didn't. You know, All my life, I had, I to, had fight. to fight. And I know where that comes from. Yeah. Shade. You've only been fighting five years. You know? And I didn't have to go through, <laughs> like, always... you, you know, I wasn't teaching through Jim Crow or uh, uh... Brown v. Board. I wasn't teaching through those those years. <sighs> Damn it. Five years. It's a shame. <laughs> you gotta do better. I gotta do better. Oh, we gotta do better. We in this fight, y'all, for real. Any last words? Nope. I just hope October flies by. I hope it does too. I've never counted down to a break, but we are really like five or six more weeks till thanksgiving so and i oh, yeah, really and i am two weeks away from um the kids have three days off for us to have pd and stuff so um that should give me a time to try to like reflect but i'm also going out of town that weekend and every weekend after that until november uh thanksgiving break so I hope your lesson plan is going to be done. I hope they are, too. And on that (laughs) note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Yeah. And welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast. If you have questions, you know where to send them to www.commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or you can send your questions to commonsensepod at gmail.com. Wait, did I say that twice? You did. Send us your questions. You know, we've received so many emails, you know, over the last year, and it really prompted us to start a new segment on our show, and it's called You Gotta Know. You're hilarious. I, I'm. What, what is that? Stop. Okay. No, I'm, I'm laughing. Okay. Are you drinking? So you got to know is some tips and tricks that Anthony and I are going to give you every week that's surrounding a very basic topic in education. Instead of y'all emailing us, asking us personal questions about like things like behavior management and lesson plans and all these things, like we want to just give you some really basic tips so that we're all on the same page and we're not doing things that the research, you know, says eh, eh, on um, that have already been dispelled a long time ago. We want to make sure that you are, you know, doing right by kids. So, Antonia, what do they got to know this week? I always get questions about lesson planning and, like, ways to not take your lesson plans home, which at some point we all do, right? Um, but since I've taught kindergarten, this is my third year now, I've accumulated lots of resources, and I have three years' worth of lesson plans because I do all my lesson plans in um, – in Google Docs, so I have access to them. And what I do to make it easy on myself is when a unit comes up that I need to cover, I go back to see what I taught the previous years 
and I can pull things that worked and I can leave things that didn't. And I create new documents like for each year and I plug in like the URL of the documents or the resources or whatever blog or a picture of whatever I did. And I can make notes for how it worked or how it didn't work that way. The next year when I pull up that unit and that activity, if I want to do it again, I I'm not searching for like that paper master copyright, but I have notes and information about what to do with it. And it also shows me what time of year things work well in kindergarten because you get curriculum documents and pacing calendars <laughs> and planning guides that make no sense at all. And you know, they're not right for that time of year, but you're like, oh, I don't remember what I taught when I taught beginning sounds or when I taught middle sounds, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's nice to be able to go back to my lesson plans and remember, okay, you did this the middle of October two years ago, and then you kept it the middle of October. So the middle of October might be a good time to do this again. Ignore what that planning calendar says about doing it in August. Do it in October. Um, And I try during planning to pull things for about 15 minutes and then go do other things. That way each day I'm doing it little by little instead of trying to sit down and do it all in one swoop. And that works really well for me. So maybe it'll help some of y'all. What about you? This week, y'all got to know, especially for y'all upper secondary folks, these kids need a teacher that is going to push them to read independently. Especially this is especially for my for my secondary folks, my 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 middle school folks. I know we want to teach whole class novels, and I think that those are really important. But they come second always to independent reading. Independent reading is numero uno for real, dog. If I definitely if kids don't have the stamina to read on their own, they don't care about reading on their own. If they're not developing their identities as readers, then what are we doing? Create the time and the space for students to choose their own books. Create the time and the space for students to read the books that they choose. Create the time and the space for students to interact with one another and reflect on their reading. That is how we create a generation of readers. Um, and if you have a suggestion for a tip that you want to know, send it to commonsensepod at gmail.com or www.commonsensepod.com. Before we end, we have a quote this week. This week's quote is from Akiba Solomon, who wrote How We Fight White Supremacy, A Field Guide to Black Resistance. I would highly recommend the book to any and everyone, but especially black people because it was a very uplifting book, very encouraging book, and a book that I was completely surprised by and walked away feeling rejuvenated by it um, and not saddened and burdened like I usually leave books that deal with white supremacy. Um, But it gives a lot of actionable things to do. Um, It gives stories of resistance. And like I said, it was just very encouraging. But here is the quote for this week. She says, liberation is about human flourishing. It is about creating systems that do not limit the ability of human beings to flourish, to reach their highest potential. I don't know. Anytime I see the word liberation and I'm thinking about children, I always think of young children. And like, I have no idea why, 
but I often think of how we limit them. Um, and it might be because I teach kindergarten that I see them come in. Like, they're natural scientists and they're natural researchers. And they have questions about the world because literally so much about the world is new to them. And I think of how often we both intentionally and unintentionally squash their curiosity and joy about their surroundings. Um, and how if we are going to help develop humans and help them flourish, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, being considerate and willing to follow their wonderings is something that we have to do, even if it has nothing to do with what we're teaching. Like, I remember my first year, I was trying to teach this lesson, and there was a frog on the window. Um, because there was like there were bushes that lined our window and none of my children were interested in what we were talking about and what I was talking about not we and so like we all went over to the window and looked at this frog and we came back and we read a story about the frog and then I printed stuff out to do like some frog life cycle life cycle thing and I always remember that because there's things you have to teach right but children will naturally guide themselves to the things that they are expected to learn yes. if we allow them the freedom to do so. And life cycles is definitely a teak, a standard in Texas in first grade, which is what I taught my first year. And I could have fought back and forth with my kids for their attention, or I could have done what I did and just followed them. Um, and so often I think like liberation for young children in school settings it's following their curiosities and allowing them that space to just be. So like even now this year, I have these huge, beautiful windows that I'm so thankful for. And oftentimes I have kids go over to the window in the middle of an activity or when they're supposed to be doing work. And I just let them be like, you are five. You've been here 60 months, literally not 60 months, 60 months. Yeah. 12 times. Yeah. And I just can't imagine like telling them no you can't go look at the wind like you know it just so much of the joy can be taken out of childhood if we're not careful and I feel like I just went on like a complete tangent that's completely yes preach girl preach I'm, I'm not preaching <laughs> for me liberation and joy and childhood are inextricably linked yes. and I can't separate yes. them Nope, so. we we cannot, and that's why we are in this fight again tomorrow <laughs> morning. Oh my gosh, I can't. I, I don't know. So I guess, man, this week try to remember the joy in childhood. Yes, like give pause a moment before you fuss at a child. Yes, and think about is this the first time that they may be seeing this, mm. like. I don't know. Oftentimes we're just disruptions to children's schedules. Like what mm. we want is not more important though. We feel like it. It's not more important than whatever they are observing or deliberating or thinking about, or I don't know. I feel like sometimes we get so consumed in ourselves that we don't realize that we have these children and we're going, going, going all day and we Period. get a break for 45 minutes, 50 minutes to plan, but they don't get a break. Mm. So find the joy with your students this week. 
allow them to sit with their joy when even when they're not paying attention to you and you think that they should be. Because I promise you that moment that you just let them sit and be, they'll come back. Like, they'll be fine. It'll be okay. So good luck this week, guys. And with that, we'll see you next time. Holla, holla. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 